Hi everyone. Okay. I feel, I, okay. I feel a sense of excitement and nervousness. I'm legit like sweating a little bit <laughs> as I was writing my notes for this topic. And as I'm going live here, because this topic is so incredibly nuanced, it is very activating for a lot of people. And so I, my like intention hope and wish for this for this conversation is to try and really get at each side of this conversation and really kind of respect its multidimensionality and all of the complex nuances that are in it. So this conversation is about narcissists and empaths, narcissists versus empaths. This is such a ripe pop psychology interest currently. And like in the last like year or two, I've noticed. Um, yeah, it's a really hot topic. People get super, again, just like activated, triggered, like of course they do like it is um yeah it's a very it can be a very triggering activating subject so let's get the fuck into it <laughs> okay okay the truth is most people have both narcissistic traits and empath traits the narcissist is in general, and we're talking about like, there's a spectrum, right? With personality disorders, um, there's a spectrum. So you can have a diagnosed, someone who's diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, they're getting treatment, um, you know, whatever that is. And then there, of course, are undiagnosed people who just never seek psych psychiatric help or whatever. Um, and then there are people who have like, some light traits of narcissism, but wouldn't actually be diagnosed with the personality disorder of narcissistic personality disorder. God, this is like, it's like tongue tying. I feel like I can't say it, these words. <laughs> okay. So, okay. We're starting here. The truth is most of us, at least many of us have both narcissistic traits as exhibited even by the DSM and empathic traits. Narcissists in general are preoccupied with the I, with themselves, with getting. Um, the empath is in general preoccupied with the other. What can I give you? How can I be of service? How can I go beyond like my own boundaries and give and give and be there and save people, right? Rescue, all the things. Um, many highly sensitive people uh, consider themselves empaths and vice versa. It is a spectrum, of course, and again, so much nuance. So I hope, okay, with the narcissist being preoccupied with the I, with themselves, and the empath being more preoccupied with the other to certain extents, 
I hope you can feel in my language already how these types of people magnetize each other. So why there's such a dichotomy where it's like narcissists versus empaths. It's this black and white language, the dichotomization of different personalities. And essentially, there's a good chance that both narcissists and empaths developed that way of being from similar trauma in their past. In general, and I'm not saying all the time, but in general, these are different responses to trauma. The empath takes on kind of the energy of a victim, which that's not good, bad, right, wrong. Okay, I'm just, that's just in general, the energy of a victim. The narcissist takes on the energy of the perpetrator. And essentially, both can truly be victims to their circumstances, perhaps in childhood, from conditioning, how their caregivers acted towards them, so many different things. Ancestral trauma, there's so much. I would like to go through the DSM diagnosis criteria for narcissism because I think this is really important to really understand exactly what it is because it has been kind of in like the pop psychology realm um just kind of becomes a little I don't know confused uh there's just a lot of like misinterpretation and a lot of demonizing a lot of really intense demonizing um that really puts people in a box and this is how I feel feel about every kind of mental health issue, personality disorder, any kind of thing that's like on a spectrum, which is everything when it comes to like human personalities and how we are, um, is that we can really start to see people with one very narrow perspective and do away with all of the other complex things that make them who they are. Um, and why they are the way they are. So it's a very kind of hyper-focusing on this is good and this is bad. This is right. This is wrong. This person's evil. This person's an angel, you know, whatever. And it doesn't help. It doesn't help the conversation. It leads to cancel culture. It leads to bullying in all types of ways, Um, more separation and less actually kind of like being able to process this stuff and figure it out for yourself and know what action to take and um, becoming empowered as a human. And so, okay, DSM. um, I couldn't find the exact DSM diagnosis, but I remember reading it in the DSM fairly recently and being like, wow, that is actually quite different than like I suspected. I was in a Facebook group that was like for M it was called like empaths and something, something I I won't call them out specifically, but the vibe of the group was so angry and rightfully so rightfully so. And there was a lot of, and I'll get into this in a bit, spinning in the drama of being in that victimhood state and egging each other on in it and truly continuing to dichotomize, put people in boxes, judge and label people in a way that is a disservice to themselves. And I'll get into this in a little bit after we go through the DSM diagnosis. So what I found the closest in 
interpretation from the DSM on the internet um, is for narcissists, grandiosity, so an exaggerated sense of self-importance, feeling superior to others, and um, that they deserve special treatment. Feelings of often are often accompanied by fantasies of unlimited success, brilliance, power, beauty, or love. I'm going to pause here because I think this is really important that most people are a mix, most or many, I don't know, I haven't done a scientific study on this, but I would, I would, I would bet probably a lot of money that most people have both narcissistic traits and empathic traits. So just this first one, exaggerated sense of self-importance, feeling superior to others and that they deserve special treatment, um, fantasies of unlimited success, brilliance, power, beauty, or love. Like that is me. Like I for sure at times, depending on my mood and what's going on and what, what the vibe is, feel in an exaggerated way, a sense of self-importance, a sense of like, um, that I'm special. And so I deserve special treatment. And then going into this story of like, why aren't people treating me special? And it's just like an internal battle that we have sometimes, right? Feelings of success, brilliance, power, beauty, or love. Absolutely. I feel that way often. The next one is excessive need for admiration. So must be the center of attention, often monopolized conversations. Um, Next one, superficial and exploitative relationships. Relationships are based on surface attributes and not the unique qualities of others. People are only valued only to the extent which they are viewed as beneficial. So transactional in, yeah, lack of empathy, severely limited or lacking the ability to care about the emotional needs or experiences of others, even loved ones. And this is where like the kind of like I, the focus on like yourself, themselves comes into play a lot. And I think that's like a very, um, I think this is the thing that like empaths, people who label themselves as empaths, which again, I don't think there can even be a dichotomy. It's not black and white, but people who label themselves as empaths, I think they're tuning in to the lack of empathy, right? The thing that's opposite from how they feel they are, which is very caring about other people's emotions, too caring at times where they're actually like leaving their own body and energetic field and boundaries and their own desires and needs and attending to other people. So over attending to other people, which actually ends up making them feel more like a victim in the long run, because then they become a persecutor because they, they feel taken advantage of. Um, they feel, I hear this like so much and, and I've fallen in a trap of this as well, where it's like, people are walking all over me. Um, people are just taking advantage of me, right? Like, people are just taking and taking. And I just feel like I'm giving so much, but like, I'm never like receiving the same thing in return, which becomes a transactional thing. So when we go up in this like DSM district description, God, I cannot talk today. I must've like gotten some weird sleep or something. Um, is uh, people are only valued to the extent they're viewed as beneficial. So when you as someone who labels themselves as an empath fall into this pattern of 
overrunning your own boundaries, desires, and needs to care for other people, you actually can become someone who can view relationships as transactional because if you're giving so much and you're expecting reciprocity, but you're not receiving anything back, you can get pissed off. It can cause a whole story. So it's really interesting how like narcissism and empaths, there's crossover here. There's a lot of crossover here. And that's kind of one of the points of this conversation. Okay. Um, DSM for narcissism continued identity disturbance. Sense of self is highly superficial, extremely rigid, and often fragile. Self-stability depends on maintaining the view that one is exceptional. Grandiose sense of self is easily threatened. Um, and so this is so interesting to me that the sense of self is easily threatened. Um, their sense of self is often super superficial and fragile. To me, that represents someone who's potentially extremely sensitive in particular ways having to do with when their own identity feels threatened and being highly sensitive is something that empathic people um you know feel as well perhaps just in different ways maybe often in the same type of way but that's interesting another is difficulty with attachment and dependency relies on feedback from the environment. Relationships only exist to shore up positive self-image. Interactions are superficial. Intimacy is avoided. Um, chronic feelings of emptiness and boredom, vulnerability to life transitions, difficulty maintaining reality-based personal and professional goals over time, compromises required by school jobs, blah, blah, blah. Relationships may feel unbearable. Young adults may have a failure to launch. Um, it's also worth saying here, and this is like the number nine in the DSM criteria, or at least the abbreviated version of the DSM criteria, is a significant risk factor for suicide and suicidal attempts. So if you are, this is just like a mental health thing that I'm going to insert in here. If you're feeling um, suicidal, you're having suicidal ideation, please tell someone, reach out about it. I know this stuff can come with a lot of like stigma, hesitation, fear about what would happen if you were open about it. Um, but it's really important, you know, suicide hotlines exist for a good reason. And at least reaching out to a suicide hotline, if you feel that way is so important. Um, you're not alone. So, okay, there is nuance here. And I'm really curious if, as I was reading that list, if there were any sparks in you, because I'm assuming um, most, if not many people who listen to this podcast would describe themselves as empaths and maybe have gotten caught in this like empath narcissism dichotomy in their life. So anything that sticks out because sticks out and that you can relate to your own life to yourself um and i'll talk about why that's important in a moment so there's nuance here right we must do away with this person is good and this person is bad dichotomy and i truly think this goes for 
everything, everyone and everything. Um, okay. There will be people you want to stay away from. And this is where like a lot of this nuance comes in, right? Just because when, and if we do away with the, with the good, bad person dichotomy, that doesn't mean just like, you know, being super compassionate towards people who are genuinely not like in service of um your best <laughs> self right there will be people you will want to stay away from and not give your attention and there will be people where the relationship is loving and reciprocal and you very much want to be around them from a healthy grounded place so much of who we're attracted to in life and who we kind of like stick around is because of learned behavior. So for example, even if someone is objectively safe, and I'm talking about from like a, um, you know, self-identified empath perspective to a, a narcissistic person's perspective, is that even if someone is not objectively safe, right? Physically, mentally, emotionally, they do not have your safety needs genuinely at the forefront of their mind when you are with them. They are unconcerned with your safety and they're just trying to get and take from you, which, you know, also there's a lot of manipulation that happens, which I'll talk about in a moment. Um, even if someone is not objectively safe, unsafe people can feel safe when unsafety is familiar to you. And I feel like this is one of the most important things to be aware of if you have trauma of any way, shape, or form, which we all do because we're all human, big T, little t trauma. Um, familiarity to our mostly like unconscious minds feels like safety familiarity feels like safety even if what's familiar is objectively unsafe so when you are drawn to people when you very much want to be around people my internet is being a little weird i'm just gonna keep talking when you very much want to be around people who are objectively unlearned and have been conditioned when you were younger to be attached to these people because they were your best chance at survival, even if they were unsafe. And by best chance of survival, I just mean whatever adults were in your life who were kind of directing your life, making decisions on behalf of you, etc. So I hope that's, that makes sense so far. Now, because this is a spicy subject, I think empaths can feel very triggered talking about this stuff or hearing about this stuff. And I just want to reiterate, and I said this a little bit a couple minutes ago, but I'm not saying you must show compassion for people who, you know, you deem as narcissistic just because they're people too, and they have trauma. You do not have to give your love and attention to people who intentionally cause pain for you. And it starts with noticing how have I exhibited narcissistic traits myself? How am I not completely 100% innocently, just like a highly sensitive empathic person? 
because I think this is where, okay, it's a spectrum. Being a human is very complex. Being honest with yourself is really important to then to start to dissolve the bonds that keep you attached to people who are not serving good purposes in your life are not helping you grow, evolve, and do not have your safety in mind. First, we have to be honest with ourselves. Um, okay. Yeah. And what I wrote here was like, when you're, when you start to be honest with yourself and you start to not see people in black and white terms, which also means you're not seeing yourself in black and white terms, which is really important to dissolve shame is that, um, you, start to dissolve some of that stickiness. And I, the, the sentence or the, the term that came up was the holes in your auric field. And what that means to me, there are so many different interpretations of this, but like your aura, which I think of as like your energy and your energetic boundaries, who you give your attention to based on like deep unconscious signals you're getting about people and like your attraction or repulsion to them the holes in your energetic field to me represent um past traumas that haven't been processed and worked through things that are still kind of pulling you towards people that are unsafe um again, perhaps because they feel familiar and that hasn't been like totally excavated, worked out and moved through, right? So these kind of holes in your auric field. <laughs> um, where was I here? Yeah, connect can connect you and make you, allow you to be more open to narcissistic people, um, people who are not, you know, again, helping you being reciprocal with safety and love, um, you're going to start to kind of be, be attracted more to those people. Okay. I hope that lands. And I hope the internet is good enough. It's so weird. It's weird to have this lag, whatever. Okay. Okay. When you recognize people who are genuinely unsafe for you and you strengthen your, oh man, what's the word? You strengthen your ability to see clearly who people are and who you want in your life, the people who are going to treat you well, and God, there's just, there's so much complexity here. I'm not going to like go fully into all this, such like a fractal, but you start to create these boundaries where you can recognize very quickly these people who you don't want in your world interacting with your energy. And it's just like a no thanks. It's just like a no thanks. <laughs> 
And I say it like that because it actually becomes very, very simple. You clearly see this is not someone I want in my field, in my energetic field, and it's a no thanks for me and, and I'm going to move on. There's a separation that occurs. So there's a nuance here, and that is depending on your background, conditioning, caregivers, personalities, past abuse, et cetera. There are people who are more likely to get pulled in and man manipulated by people with narcissistic personality disorder or similar personalities. And people with narcissistic personality disorder are very, very good at pulling highly sensitive, empathic people who seek approval through people pleasing people who are caregivers want to tend to wounded creatures see the best in people etc in okay a really important thing and i'm just going to kind of jump around a little bit so i can like get all of this out is leaning into your victimhood but being wary of getting stuck there. It's really, I think, easy to for people to just say like, your victimhood's the problem, you're not a victim, get yourself out of that place, and then you'll be able to move forward. But genuinely, sometimes you will be victim to some things. And unless you give your victimhood, however that looks like for you, a chance to breathe and to express itself, that facet of you wants and needs to be expressed, it's a deeply innocent part of you. It will be very hard to move out of victimhood unless you've given yourself a chance to be in it and be conscious and self-aware about getting stuck there. What I saw in that like empath group is how juicy it is. And I've had, you know, the experience myself, of course, how juicy it is to get stuck in victimhood because of the troves of people is troves or droves the word, I don't know, of people who will reinforce that empaths are good and narcissists are bad. So it's important to give your victim story a voice and genuinely validate yourself because your pain is so real. Your feelings are so valid. Be wary of gaslighting yourself, which can keep you in the cycle of like, you know, being attracted to or attracting people who, you know, are not safe for you. But be aware of gaslighting yourself. If you gaslight yourself, Again, like I said, the cycle will continue. Give yourself a lot of time and space to process your feelings and validate them. Uh, hiring a coach or a therapist is very supportive with this stuff. Someone's orbit with narcissistic personality disorder or deeply narcissistic traits, but it is your responsibility to break the chains if you don't want it to keep happening. Okay. I think about responsibility versus over-responsibility. Sometimes you are a victim and you get to, and it's important that you lean into that, go 
deep into it, go into the heart of it. I really love emotional freedom technique with the victim story, like alongside it and in it. It helped me so much kind of like process and give myself full permission to be a victim while moving the energies through my body and moving the emotions through my body. So I recommend that. And sometimes I feel like it's really important to just insert this here. Your path will will be remaining in a victim identity. And that also gets to be okay. You have the choice to do that. You can live your whole life like that if you want. If that's the the lifetime cycle that you're going through in this life and that's something that just needs to be felt through you in this lifetime like I give you permission I think that's really important to say that we are all on our own paths and you get to decide okay Okay, let me just make a note. I feel like this, okay, we're good. Um, something else is when you say things or think things like this person makes me feel this way, you become a victim to that person and inevitably give them your power through giving them your attention and your nervous system being entangled with their energy. This is the difference between being a separate, autonomous individual who's outside of the victim triangle. Outside of the victim triangle is being an observer, being assertive, and being a nurturer in general. Being inside the victim triangle is being a victim, persecutor, or rescuer. In the victim triangle, no matter where you start, you will always end up as a victim. You will always go through all of those cycles for the most part. When you are, when your energy is entangled with someone else's energy, and what I mean by that kind of on like a basic level is when you are using other people to validate yourself, right? When you are kind of, it's like putting your attention, you know, deems themselves an empath. It's the outward focused attention, right? Rather than like the I and self-focused attention in general, you're putting your attention outward, but you're also looking around for clues that you matter and that you're enough and that people care about you from the outside coming in. What's really, really important here for people who deem themselves empathic is to learn how to source your validation from within yourself. This is like the work of a fucking lifetime. But when and if you start to do that, you naturally kind of move off of that victim triangle and into a place of being in observational mode, being assertive, being an autonomous individual where if someone else says something about you, it just doesn't slap as hard for you. Like it just doesn't like get as deep for you 
as it can when your energy is so intertwined with what other people are thinking about you, which again is a deeply innocent thing because it comes from childhood, comes from a place of wanting to be loved, accepted, and approved of. And oh my God, there's this quote, it's like Byron Katie. I just posted in my Facebook the other day. It was something about God, like, what was it like save me or not save me but like something like save me from um needing love approval and appreciation from other people and I just like love that so much because sourcing your validation from inside of you which is really the only place we can like truly get validation from like solid grounded real long-lasting validation from um yeah is really the key I think for people who are empathic um okay let's see okay no one can make you feel any way without your consent conscious or unconscious this is such an important quote in my life besides the Byron Katie one because when someone says something about you and you say you made me feel this way it's it's an illusion of sorts that anyone can make you feel any way because you get to make anything mean anything about you and if someone says oh like you're a bitch you can make it mean that oh my God, they hate me. I'm a piece of shit. I'm a bitch. What does that mean? Like all of like noticing all of the reactions that you have in your own system, as you take in someone else's, you know, disapproval that you're perceiving and how you like digest it and metabolize it is all your own story. Someone can call you a bitch and you'll be like, okay, well, like that's a projection of you. So that sucks that you think you're a bitch and you can just bounce it right off of you. So there are so many different ways to interpret and perceive your reality and these kind of energetic boundaries and internal self-validation. So crucial for kind of like disconnecting from this cycle and like jumping out of the timeline where you're just perpetually in these like narcissistic relationships with people or whatever. Okay. Okay. So no one can make you feel any way with your, without your consent, conscious or unconscious. It allows the cycle to continue when you when you are a victim to other people because they make you feel a certain way when it's a pattern when kind of getting entangled with people who you know end up being like narcissistic when it's a pattern now you must look at okay how can i solve for this if i don't want this anymore and this is a pattern that's repeating in my life, I now know that it's not just like my externals that are making these things happen or making me feel this way. What is my responsibility in this and what's going on here? And then 
you are just receiving information. You're answering that for yourself. You're empowering yourself to problem solve. And so you're turning on these creative problem solving circuits in your brain that shut down when you think thoughts like, oh, like they're making me feel that way. I don't know how I keep getting caught up in these circumstances. I'm not even doing anything. Like I'm just being sweet and nice. And like, I'm just like getting all this toxic shit, these toxic people in my life. Like all the stories are literally shutting down the circuits in your brain that can solve for okay, like what is happening here? And really getting honest with yourself. And this is where like shadow work can come in. Chef's kiss, shadow work with this kind of stuff of like what's going on here, the repeating patterns in your life. So, I mean, reach out to me if this is something you're interested in because that is what I do, shadow work. Um, Okay. The last thing I wrote here, man, I feel like I have so much like energy to like, because I don't necessarily feel like that was, this is just my perception of this conversation, that it was like the most flowing, but I really just wanted to get these things out there um, because I think it's really important. I think it's really important. There's a lot of shit out there about narcissism and empaths and the collision of them and being kind of stuck in these different modes and I think it's really important to just like bring light to the multifacetedness of us as humans and continue to kind of like dissolve the good bad dichotomies in people because again like I said before when you can do that outwardly when you can see others as like not good bad not completely angels or completely devils and you can really see the nuance you know you can even see their pain stories you can um you can really see those things in your own self too it's all this like reflection if you can see it in other people you can also see it in yourself and magically seemingly magically you do dissolve these patterns when you're able to really be honest with yourself see these things reflect in yourself take responsibility where responsibility is due if you do want to move forward because again you can stay in that victim mode like you have every right to be there you have every right and if you want to move forward and if you want another way Um, you must look at yourself you must look at yourself and without shame without judgment without all that bullshit and that's really how we move forward so I hope this is helpful I hope the um, connection wasn't too bad and that the words are still coming through And yeah, hope you have a beautiful Saturday or whatever day it is that you're listening to this. Bye.